My dear friends and co-congregants of Kahal Hasidim, I'm sorry that I cannot be with you. I very much wanted to, but forces beyond my control, like all of us, determine our lives. Time is our biggest enemy, and um, I hope this trip, if nothing else, visiting the Kivrei Tzadikim, um, forces us all to see that uh, life is very short, time is very short, and sooner or later we join the Olama Emes, and if nothing else, we come back renewed with a sense of urgency that every minute counts. Your tour guide has asked me to say a few words about the Zayda, the Natsiv. Um, I hope to give you a uh, short introduction to the world of the Natsiv, Naftali Tzvi Yehuda Berlin, but you know me, uh, as the rabbi once said at Ashalashudas, Dr. Anger is weird, and um, you will get my angle. Um, so he didn't ask my Schwager, who is a direct Dor uh, Tishi from Reb Chaim Veloshin and Dor Shvi'i from the Nitziv, but he asked the son-in-law. And so I will give you a view that is my analysis, combining my sense of respect for the tradition, but without giving up on critical thinking. He was born in 1817 in the town of Mir, in the province of Minsk, in the pale of the settlement of the Tsar. He rose to prominence during the second half of the 19th century. He was a masterful pedagogue, an accomplished Tamachachem, highly original exegesis, who operated through a period of great change, the period of Hasidut and Haskalah, negotiating both. At age 11, he entered the celebrated yeshiva of Volozhin, presided by Reb Chaim Volozhin, a Talmud of the Grah. He would preside for close to 40 years over the yeshiva from 1853 until one year before his death in 1893. In fact, you're going to see him uh, in Warsaw, where he was collecting money for the yeshiva, uh, where he took ill and died and was buried in the cemetery in Varsha. His great commentary to the Torah was called the Hamikdava. He actually witnessed, some say six, some say 13 editions of the Hamikdava, in which he wrote Hagos on his own uh, interpretation on the side, and which our cousins, about 20 years ago, published as the Harchiv Dover. And it's at the bottom of the Hamik Dover, especially the edition by Cooperman. Uh, Shmuel Ettinger, in the Encyclopedia Judaica, under the term Volozhin, opined that the yeshiva in Volozhin was mainly established to serve as a barrier to the spread of Hasidism. But this assessment has not been accepted either by the family uh, or unanimously. Nevertheless, the split between Hasidism and Lithuanian rabbinism did inform the world of the Natsiv, which he inherited and would later represent. However, by his generation, even Reb Chaim had gone with the Tzemach Tzedek of Chabad, the third Rebbe of Chabad, to Peterborg uh, to represent both the Hasidic and the Litvisher 
portion of the pale of Jews to counteract Count Ivanov's decree from the Tsar to introduce secular studies uh, into the yeshiva in Volozhin. And they had a great respect for each other. They spent seven weeks uh, through the Yom Neroim in Petersburg in disputation with the Maskil, Max Lilienthal, who would later come to America and join Hebrew Union College in Cincinnati. And in whose diary I was able to obtain from his granddaughter Sophie in San Francisco, uh, spoke very, very highly of both the Tzemach Tzedek and the Nativ. The Council of the Four Lands, the Vard Arba Aratzot, was a centralized Jewish governing body that operated for over 200 years and had the jurisdiction over the Jews in the four provinces of Poland. This council came to an end at the close of 1764 when the Polish Sejm voted to dismantle it. During its last years, a popular movement called Hasidism arose. They believed in the, in the Tzaddik, the importance of Emuna Pshuta, Tveikas, uh, Tefillah, and proper intentionality in Avodis Hashem. The death of the central figure and founder, the Baal Shem in 1765, came just one year after the council was dissolved. And the juxtaposition of the Baal Shem Tov's Misa and the end of the Vad Arbatzos contributed to the growth of Hasidism because the powers of censure once invested in the Vad no longer were available. And so there was no communal mechanism to impede the nascent movement. And the Jews of Eastern Europe were not all receptive to the new movement of Hasidut. Uh, most of those who lived in White Russia and Lithuania the native lands of the Nitziv's predecessor were unsympathetic and opposed the movement. They rallied around the Gros, who died in 1797. The Gros was a recluse who combined tremendous learning with a severely pious behavior, in fact revolutionizing Jewish scholarship. Now, you have to understand that his role in opposing Hasidism is unclear. It is known that he refused to meet with the Alter Rebbe of Chabad, Rib Shneer Zalman of Liadi, who died in 1813, who had come, I think, with the Batebska, the Rebbe will know, uh, to discuss the rift, and I'm pretty sure that the Kedushas Levi went, to discuss the rift between the movements, and he never made peace with Hasidut. Hasidism stood accused of diminishing the importance of Torah study as it strove to place cleaving to God, Tveikas, at the center of its religious life. I refer you to Emanuel Etkes, the Gaon of Vilna, for a reference there. For example, Rabbi Yaakov Yosef of Polnoy, the Toldos Yaakov Yosef, the prime student of the Baal Shem HaKodosh, wrote that Torah study and prayer are equal in common teleological pursuit. Olafi Masheki Balti Mi Moiri, that's the Baal Shema Kodosh, She Ike Asik Toro Tfilahu, She Yedabikis Atzmo El Pnimius Ruchnius or Ein Sof, She Betoch Osios Atorava Tfila, She Hu Ha Nikra Limud Lishma. The Rebbe has taught us this many times going through the Mori Naim, the same idea, according to which I have received from my teacher the Baal Shema Kodosh that the purpose of Torah study and prayer is to attach oneself to the inner ruchnius of the light of the Ein Sof that is contained within the letters of the Torah and prayer. And this is called Torah Lishma. 
This teaching found the main source for the teachings of the Baal Shem HaKodosh, rendered Torah study into a vehicle for achieving Tveikas. And passages like this prompted scholars to conclude that it was only in Hasidic thought that the idea of Tveikas, the mystical elevation of the status of Tfila, began to come into serious direct conflict with Torah study. For the early Hasidic masters, then, Tfila and not Torah study became the central vehicle for attaching to Dveikas. While Hasidim rejected an elevated role for Torah study, the Misnagdim believed it was the highest form of devotion. And the Zayda Reb Chaim the most famous pupil of the Gra and the paternal grandfather of the Natsiv's first wife, wrote the Sefer Nefesh Achaim, published posthumously in 1824. He defended the Lithuanian view of Torah study. And it is clear from the following passage that the Nefesh Achaim was a theoretical blueprint for the great 19th century Lithuanian Torah academies, foremost of which was Valozhin. And he writes, And there in the Seder Eliyahu Zuta, this is an early Medrash, 7th century I would think, each day, destructive angels set out from before Hashem to destroy the world. And but from the Bote Knesios and Bote Midrosios, in which Talmidim sit and busy themselves with the words of Torah, they would immediately destroy the entire world. Nonetheless, they are still able to sustain themselves through the few remnants that Hashem calls, those who busy themselves in the Holy Torah day and night that it should not be completely destroyed and returned to emptiness and the void, chas v'shalom. But if chas v'shalom, the world were totally free, even for a single moment, literally, from the chosen nation's study and contemplation of the Holy Torah, then in the immediacy of a moment would all the worlds be ruined and destroyed from their existence completely, Hashem forbid. And even a single individual Jewish man has great potential, for he is empowered to uphold and sustain all the worlds, including the entirety of creation, through his study and contemplation of the Holy Torah, Lishma, for its own sake. Meaning, the notion of Nishma by the Toldus Yaakov Yosef and the notion of Lishma in Reb Chaim Evalozhan's uh, great work, Nefesh Chaim, are the exact opposite. As the Rav has told us many times, for Hasidim, Lishma is L'shem Hey, for the Sheikh of Malchus, the Hey, the final letter of the Yudke Vovke, which is the Shechina HaKdosha. Reb Chaim Ivaloshan took the bold step of removing Torah from the world of the divine emanations, Atzilus and the Spherus, and assigning its genesis to the infinitely mysterious regions of the Ein Sof. This bold step meant that the world was wholly reliant on Torah study, as he expressed vividly in the passage above. Let's come now to the Nitziv. The yeshiva at Velozhin, the community yeshiva, was a traditional educational institute whose needs were loyally met by the local yokels, the local Jewish uh, public. In fact, the word tag meant that a yeshiva bocher would be assigned to a family and would uh, get his meal, more or less, and lodging by one of the local town. However, by the 17th century, economic and social factors 
had weakened its sustainability, and the arrival of Hasidim jeopardized the already precarious state of Torah study. These factors encouraged Rabbi Chaim Ivalozhin to open up a new style of yeshiva in 1802 in Valozhin, in the province of Vilna, in the Tsarist Pale of Settlement, and it became the basis, the mother of all modern yeshivas. All modern yeshivas in Lithuania, the Mir, Slabotka, even the Musa yeshivas, based themselves on the model of Valozhin. Unlike the old-style community yeshiva, the one in Valozhin was not beholden to the jurisdiction of the local community. As an institution, it appealed in many ways to the wider Jewish community. In its inaugural year, Reb Chaim supported the yeshiva from his own personal funds. And then he wrote a stirring, humble letter in 1803 requesting the financial backing of Jews throughout Eastern Europe. This letter was successful in locating donors and gave birth to what was then a revolutionary idea, a yeshiva for all Jews, supported by all Jews. By the time the yeshiva closed, it had sent emissaries on fundraising missions as far away as London. I think there's actually a letter of the Natsiv to a community in Cincinnati. There was a, an Orthodox community in that town of Reform in which they had asked the Natsiv whether he could allow them halachically to take the Sefer Torah out of the Oran on a Sunday because there was a big donor coming and they were trying to raise funds for the yeshiva. So I think it's not as far away as London, but actually as Cincinnati. The yeshiva at Voloshin was a place of constant learning, 24 hours a day. And that reflected what we had learned above, Rab Chaim's view that Torah study is required constantly to sustain the world. Aside from classes in Gomorrah, Rab Chaim also taught a daily lesson in the Shabbos' Torah reading, which after his death, this would become the staple of the yeshiva. And in fact, the Hamikdova of the Natsiv grew out of that daily lesson. The mantle of leadership on Volozhin passed dynastically and after Reb Chaim's death in 1821 to his son Reb the pair Kodosh, Reb Itzelah mi Volozhin, who died in 1849. And as part of his attempt to modernize Jewish schooling, the educational reformer Max Lilithol, as I said before, met with both Reb Itzelah and the Tzemach Tzedek. Lillian writes in his impressions of Rabitzela in his travel journal that I received from his granddaughter Sophie the following. He spoke the German, Russian and Polish languages very fluently. And though unacquainted with the literature of any of these languages, he understood very well that the reform of the schools could be delayed no longer. He also reported the schedule of the yeshiva as transmitted to him by Rabitzela. We have prayers in the morning as early as possible. All the students have to be present during the service. After the service, I explained to them some chapters of the Sidra of the week, the Haftorah with the commentary of Rashi, adding some free explanations of my own, into which I interweave some remarks from the commentary of Moshe Dessau. Oh my gosh, don't let the rabbi hear this. Who is Moshe Dessau? Dessau is Mendelssohn. He wrote a biur on the Torah that was very liked by both Rebitzela and the Natsiv. In fact, some of the more modern yeshivas criticize the Natsiv and don't even have the Hamikdova on their shelves 
because of his love for the beer of Mendelssohn. In fact, that and the fact that he would read a newspaper on Shabbos led to Lakewood's banning of my uncle the Natsiv and in the early days of Art Scroll threatening them it was art school or fell time, I don't remember, threatening to ban all their books if they wouldn't take it off the shelf, which of course they did. So if you go to eBay now and look for my uncle and a sieve, I think it's going for $1,800. If Max Lillianthorpe's diary is correct, and we know there's a lot of hagiographic corrections there to make him look good, Rebitzler possessed worldly learning and was sympathetic to those who wished to reform Jewish education. But... Stamfer has argued in Hayashiva that Rabitzler knew exactly what Lilienthal wanted to hear and tried to manipulate his contact with Lilienthal for the good of the yeshiva. And this argument cast doubt on Lilienthal's travel journal as a trustworthy source for the authentic attitudes of Rabitzler. Certainly in the Mishpacha, that is the case. After his death in 49, now the mantle of leadership fell to his elder son-in-law, Reb Eliezer Isaac, who died four years later in 1853. The Nitziv, who married Rebitzler's daughter and had already started delivering shiurim in the yeshiva, finally assumed the position of the Menahel of the yeshiva, the Rosh Yeshiva, and it was under his distinguished leadership from 1853 to the end of the yeshiva that the Voloshan came into its own as the premier institution of Torah learning in the world of the 19th century. He led the yeshiva from 1853 until 1892, close to 40 years, during which many future leaders of the Jewish world were students in Volozhin. This includes the first chief rabbi of Palestine, Rabbi Avram Yitzchok HaKohen Cook, and the Hebrew poet Chaim Nachman Bialik, and the Hebrew writer Micha Yosef Berdichevsky, these were all students during the tenure of the Nitziv. All three figures all wrote about the yeshiva. Rav Kook wrote the first biography of the Nitziv called Rosh Yeshivat Eitz HaChaim in Knesset Yisrael, 1886. Berdyshevsky wrote a history of the yeshiva called Toldos Yeshivas Eitz HaChaim in Haasif, 1886. And Bialik's famous poem Hamatmid was influenced by the period he spent in Valozhin. The financial burden of the yeshiva and the government's desire to regulate the curriculum in the end fatigued him. To relieve these pressures and to prepare for his long-awaited trip to Eretz Yisrael, he requested that Reb Chaim, his son, Reb Chaim Berlin, he fathered with his first wife, go back to Valozhin to lead the yeshiva from Moscow. At the time, Reb Chaim was living as a pulpit rabbi in Moscow. This change, it was reported, was only symbolic, and the Nasiv remained active in the life of the yeshiva until the authorities closed its doors in 1892. Now, I must tell you that the closure of the yeshiva in Volozhin is shrouded in controversy and disputed accounts of the willingness of the Nasiv to tolerate secular studies within the walls of the yeshiva. In 1990, J.J. Schachter wrote a lengthy article entitled Haskola, Secular Studies and the Close of the Yeshiva in Valozhin. No understanding of the Nitziv or Valozhin is complete without a discussion of this dramatic period in the Nitziv's life. Now, many Maskilim looked to the Vilnagon as a kind of prototype for the program of Haskalah. You may be shocked to hear that. 
the Gaon's rejection of futile pilpul and his openness to textual emendations of Girsaot encouraged them to claim him as the forerunner of their initiatives. Comments attributed to him about the necessity of secular lodging for the understanding of Torah, which he wrote, and the need for to be proficient in the seven sciences and in Bible and in Diktuk, sealed his fate as the object of their haskoma. Even in the 20th century, the work of Jacob Raisin, there was a zealous adoration that climaxed in the following lines from this muskil. But the Vilna Gaon's influence on Haskalah by far surpassed his influence on the study of the Talmud. Many regard him as the originator of the Haskalah movement, and his example served as an impetus and encouragement to the Maskilim in spreading knowledge among their co-religions. Russian Maskilim knew that for their project to have a strong impact, they would need to garner the support of the popular religious authorities, or at least they would need to convince the Jewish community that the religious authorities approved of their intentions to educate and modernize Russian Jewry. That's why they portrayed the Gra as a Maskilic prototype. However, studies have shown that the Maskilic tendencies attributed to the Gron were neither radical nor revolutionary. The Natsiv possessed a tolerant temperament, and from first-hand reports it is known that during his tenure the yeshiva at Volozhin served as a cradle for young men interested in Haskalah. And I get this from Abba Balosha and his article Bialik Bevolozhin in Moznaim. Some have claimed that Berlin viewed secular knowledge positively, and he regretted the fact that he did not know Russian. And that is written by Reb Meir Barlan, his son, in a Yiddish volume, Mi Volozhin bis Yerushalayim. By many accounts, he was neither oblivious to nor aloof from contemporary life. And if his yeshiva was known for its open-mindedness, at the very least he must have allowed it to develop such a reputation. Some of the journals in which he advertised his yeshiva and notices pertaining to it in fundraising were the same organs that the Maskilim used. By doing so, the Nitziv sent an implicit message to the wider community. Haskalah and Volozhin were not mutually exclusive. Now, this is not accepted in the family, who are basically Haredi, living in Yerushalayim and Beryakov, as well as in Bnei Barak. A full discussion of his attitude to secular knowledge and the way it applied to Volozhin is beyond our talk today. Let's just end uh, with the, uh, the Harchiv Dover. First of all, this is only one of his many works. The earliest published work of the Nitziv is the Hamek Sheila, a three-volume commentary on the Sheiltas of Rabbi Haigon, which brought to the forefront, for the first time, the idea of we should spend time in the Gaonic period. The Sheiltas was already the time of the 10th century, 11th century. It's a Gaonic work. And it's a digest of halachas arranged according to the custom of reading the Shabbos Torah reading. And the first volume appeared in 1861, the second in 1864, and the third in 1867. It was very popular in medieval times, but only a handful of commentaries survived. The fact that Siv wrote an extensive commentary is a testimony to his Talmudic genius, but it also reveals an interest in a work whose primary importance is the conduit, the inherent connection between the Gemara and the codes of the medievalists. It's the kind of conduit between the transmission from the Gemara 
uh, to the Rif, the Rosh, the Run, and the Beis Yosef. And thus, his decision to write Harmik Shela indicates that early in his career, he was curious enough about the historical development of Jewish law to expend sizable effort in writing a commentary to this lesser-known text. And it's this historical sense that the Natsiv brings to his wonderful uh, work in the Hamik Dover at the introduction to Sheha Shirim, Rinat Yisrael, in which he discusses the history of anti-Semitism. He and Reb Sodek HaKon are the two great writers in the 19th century that talk about the notion of history, of Jewish history, from a global perspective. The next work he published is the Hamik Dover. This appeared in Vilna in 1879, and the second edition containing the He'arot in Jerusalem 1948. In 1959, it appeared once again with a further edition, as well as an addendum, uh, Per Kodosh, by his father-in-law, Rebitzler. In fact, in honor of my son's bar mitzvah, my wife and I published the manuscript Per Kodosh on Pirke Overs. He did not leave a commentary to the entire Tanakh, and there's no evidence to suggest that he wrote one. Besides the Torah, the one other book of the Tanakh he wrote a commentary is Shir HaShirim, uh, published in 1886 called Rinat Shel Yisrael, which I mentioned before, and the essay Sha'ar Yisrael that sought to explain anti-Semitism. Now these works you can get in English. One is by Howard Joseph called Why Anti-Semitism, a translation of the Sha'ar Yisrael, and David Landesman, the commentary of the Nitziv to Shir Shirim. They've been translated into English. Towards the end of his life, his students encouraged him to publish his answers to some of the scores of questions that were regularly directed to him. He was very reluctant to do so because he had written many of the rulings when he was young and in his old age he felt that he didn't have enough strength to review them. And he writes this in the introduction to his Meshiv Dova. Ultimately, the Meshiv Dova was published posthumously in 1894. Among his decisions is a ruling that prohibits including public desecrators in a minion, a defense of Lithuanian rabbinism bearing the title The Right and Left in Judaism, and in 1992 a new edition by our cousins came out of the Meshiv Dover that included additional responsa published from manuscripts that we had. He wrote a beautiful commentary that you should all have in your Pesach Haggadah Sefer library called Imre Shefer. It is unclear when this was published, but it's probably appeared after Rina Shel Torah in 1886 and before Meshiv Dover in 1894. This is because the original Sharblatt, the title page to Meshiv Dover, listed all of Berlin's published works in their correct order, and the Imre Sheffer is mentioned last. From 1954 till 59, our cousins produced five volumes of the Nitziv's Chidushin to Gomorrah under the title Marome Sode. As noted above, the custom in Voloshin was to study all the tractates of Talmud in sequential order, unlike the modern yeshivas, and Maromi Sadek covers a majority of the Masechtas. The format of the Maromi Sadek follows the same pagination of the Gemara, and so the Chidushim are not a series of halachic essays arranged by category. This is another way of the Natsiv's text-based approach to Torah. 
I think that sums all the, uh, kind of giving you a flavor of the man. Very complicated individual. If you are interested in more secondary literature on this most wonderful original thinker of the 19th century, just send me a, a text and I can send you everything. Have a wonderful trip. Uh, please mention uh, my wife's name, Sarah Bas Rachel, Sarah Bas with Menachem Mendel. Um, at the Nitziv Tzion, have us in all in mind, my family. We hope that he should have nachas from his Eineklech and Ur Eineklech and the Yotze Chalotzov, who went in his path, a highly original thinker uh, who was open to modernity, never closed to modernity, and yet true to tradition without losing his critical faculties. God bless, Nesiyah Tova, have a wonderful trip.